Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. This podcast contains frank discussions about the body, sexuality, and occasionally uses swear words, which may not be appropriate for people under the age of 18. This podcast also uses facts, statistics, and mathematics, which may not be appropriate for liberal arts majors. And this podcast relies on science and reality, which may not be appropriate for evangelicals. Fat Chicks on Top. This is your host, Auntie Vice. I'm here with Azad. He is a BDSM coach. He's written several books, including BDSM, a guide for explorers of extreme eroticism. He is based out of Italy, and he's been in the kink world for quite some time now. So it's great to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. You all make me feel quite uh, ancient, isn't it? <laughs> You know, as I, I, I bear down on 50, I feel quite ancient in the community, too. <laughs> but oh, I, but just starting out. I, it, it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is being older and having been somebody who got involved way, way, way before 50 Shades, right? Because we've had Definitely. this huge influx in, in the last decade or so. You come from a different perspective, um, and for those who listen to the show on a regular basis, you know I've had a couple of folks on who've been in the kink community for a while. When did you find the kink community? How did you find it? Because it's not like today where you just go on the interwebs and you find everything. <laughs> yeah, it was quite different, actually. Um, so, what uh, my story is, is that I found out uh, uh, very, very early that sadomasochism, uh, sadomasochistic imagery uh, was kind of in interesting for, for me. Uh, I absolutely didn't know why, but it was very used in the political counterculture comics in the, of, of the 70s here in Europe. So uh, even if the, the meaning of those picture, pictures were, was totally different, uh, well, I found there was something interesting. So the little nerd that I was, even at that time, I tried to find out more and more and more. And when I finally uh, got 18, I managed, uh, I could finally go to a newsstand and buy my first BDSM magazine. It was rather easy because there was just one here in Italy. It was called Club. And uh, it was actually sold in all of 37 newsstands all over the country. So very, very difficult to find it. Uh, luckily, I was in Milan. So and we had a couple of, of those newsstands around here. And, uh, you know, I, I start to see uh, a different perspective on uh, sad, bad evil sadomasochism as it was depicted by the media of course uh th that was the first time i i read something about consent uh the the ssc motto hadn't even uh, started spreading and um well i 
I wanted to know even more. Uh, meeting people was very close to impossible because we had uh, personal ads by mail and uh, just the time uh, required to get in touch with somebody could go easily go into the months. Uh, six months was rather common and uh, you usually ended up very disappointed by the meeting, by the way. Uh, but anyway, on this, um, on this magazine, they had the, um, an advertisement for uh, the only club in uh, the whole of Europe uh, that opened just two nights a year for non-members and which was totally about BDSM. The club was uh, the Doma Club in Den Haag in the Netherlands. And so in a time when uh, there, was, uh, there were no low, fly uh, low cost flying, uh, there was uh, very high language barriers and so on. This 18-year-old uh, kid actually <laughs> went all over there uh, to the north and uh, for uh, the longest time of three hours, I could finally experience the community. And it was so nice. <laughs> it was, as you probably have, have heard before, uh, just like finding home. Mm -hmm. And for the longest time, we, I, I kept commuting to Den Haag to, to experience that, where I met another guy rather quick, frequently from Italy. And we didn't even talk the first times, but in the end, we, we just had to. And I said, where are you from? From Milan. And what about you? I, I'm from Milan as well. So why don't we meet there? It's much easier. Yeah. But of course, there was nothing. And uh, little by little, with uh, the help of the newfangled internet, we managed to build something, not just us, of course, there were other groups, other, other people all over the country. And we finally managed to build our first uh, uh, BDSM party in, it, in Milan, which is still running, by the way, 18, 18 years later. And that's, that's that is basically the story. <laughs> that's amazing. So you grow up in Italy and that has a very different culture around sexuality. You know, in the U.S., we're, oh, we're yes. very locked, we're locked down, very conservative, and it's it's long been a battleground of what we teach in school. Who's allowed to say what? What was it like growing up? What messaging did you get around sexuality, if any, growing up in Italy? Oh well, uh, what you have to remember is that Italy is a very big province around the small Vatican. Uh, we, have, we really felt, especially in those times, the influence of the church and of its uh, obscurantism. It was very much a political fight uh, against, um, you know, changing the status quo. Uh, Italian politics is a very perverse topic we won't dwell on today. And um, but basically, um, it all amounted to uh, you don't get any education at all, unless you are a very bad, uh, well, we called them communists, but they were in fact socialists. Uh, if you were, you had access to counter-information, counter-culture, 
and some of that even bled into the mainstream. You want to check out uh, one um, television show from, I believe, uh, 1980, something like that, okay. called the Strix, S-T-R-Y-X. Uh, that was uh, very, very uh, controversial. It was the, the first show in prime time uh, with the full frontal nudity. And it was basically a pastiche of a satanic ritual with transsexual performance and um, uh, stand-up comedians uh, sending up uh, the government and so on. It lasted for all of two episodes, actually. But it gave us, uh, to the whole country, an idea of a very different way of experiencing the body, sexuality, and relationships. Is there still that very strong connection between politics and sexuality where embracing things like BDSM is also considered politically counterculture? Or do you actually have conservative folks now coming in since it's much more accessible? <laughs> oh, yes, we, we have, absolutely. As a matter of fact, for a very long time, BDSM uh, or sadomasochism, as it was called, in that that age uh was uh, mostly a, a equal to fascism in the, the public view of course it wasn't at all but uh, yes it is uh, a battleground still maybe not so not as much as uh, transsexual uh, trans transsexuality sorry uh, or uh, gay rights in general uh, mostly thanks uh, to Fifty Shades right now, but um, but yes, of course, uh, there are uh, entire political uh, parties uh, that uh, live on being uh, contrary to something. And from time to time, that, that something is uh, uh, a, a different way of experiencing sexuality, a freer way. But uh, yes, as a matter of fact, uh, it is very probable right now that uh, our next government will be extremely far right. And everybody's very scared about that um, because, you know, um, they have already, they are already speaking of uh, curbing uh, gay rights and so on. And the election times uh, haven't even started yet. So you can just imagine. Yeah, there's actually quite a few countries aiming more and more far right right now as a response to people trying to be more open and embracing. And you know, Italy's not exempt from that. In the U.S., we've just started the dialogue around monkeypox, and it's being treated very much like the early ages of the, the AIDS pandemic of well, this just affects gay men, so we can be a little slower in the response. It, you know, it doesn't really matter if they're dying. Uh, Italy was closer to some of the original outbreaks in Europe. Uh, yep. How is it going there with monkeypox? What's the dialogue like there? Um, well, there isn't much, but uh, I'm glad to inform you that today Italy started the vaccination uh an opportunity for vaccination here in Milan, which is one of the major cities and unfortunately the uh, epicenter of, of the infection right now. Uh, we have uh, a, grand, a grand total of two 
slots for vaccination per day. So wow. well, it's, I, I believe it's yeah. actually not a political decision, but uh, due to availability of the vaccine. Mm -hmm. But yes, it is rather scary, uh, especially because the, um, the very people who are currently uh, the more at risk uh, are just ignoring it. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there is a, a rather clear, um, what's the word? I'm sorry, sometimes my, my English is a, mm -hmm. isn't very good. Uh, a kind of superposition of mm -hmm. uh, um, the LGBT uh, people and uh, um, Novax people. And, uh, you know, uh, there's um, pretty much the equivalent of MAGA in, in your country. Mm -hmm. And this really doesn't help anybody. Yeah. What does today's BDSM scene look like in Europe? I mean, you went from having one club, you know, in, <laughs> in the entire continent. And just from the conferences I've applied to and gone to, I mean, there, there's a lot more going on. So what does it look like today? Absolutely. Uh, things have really, really changed pretty much all over Europe. And... Um, well, of course, the pandemics, uh, the pandemic changed everything. Uh, so I'm, my information might not be, uh, up to date, but there, we have very big scenes in uh, the UK, for example, the north of Europe, uh, Germany and Netherlands uh, and so on, yeah, are, have always been very much open about sexuality and alternative sexualities as well. But I must admit that even Southern Europe, uh, which has historically been a more conservative, uh, with a bit backwards uh, on these subjects, uh, has really uh, took up the gap. And uh, for example, here in Italy, um, especially in Northern Italy, uh, we really have a, a brilliant scene with uh, stuff to do every day, uh, multiple parties, multiple courses. Uh, um, I I believe we are actually in a very good very good times for this. What, what spurred you to start writing about it? Not just playing, but actually writing writing about BDSM. What spurred oh, yeah. you to write the books? Well, as a matter of fact, I was I very normal journalist uh, up to the change of the millennium when a very big uh, uh, editorial crisis, publishing crisis uh, hit. And I found myself with a lot of job. Mm. So I took a sabbatical year and uh, pretty much immediately I got so bored I had to find something to do. And that something was, uh, we're talking about, uh, yeah, the year 2000, uh, to collect all the information I had uh, collected over, all over the time into one book that I thought nobody would have ever read. Well, as it turned out, uh, it is now in its uh, fifth edition. Uh, it's uh, a very big best, uh, very big seller. Um, and I'm, I keep receiving messages from the readers telling me I have saved them they uh, they finally know they are no monsters uh they finally gave a name to to their uh, kings and um, 
you know, uh, when it, it came the time to decide what to do with my professional life, I could choose between going back to regular journalism and basically selling hate to people, hate and fear, or keep doing this and telling people how to better enjoy their lives. It was rather easy as a choice, as, as a matter of fact. And uh, maybe it is not uh, as good financially, but uh, it keeps me healthy and happy. So I wrote uh, more and more books, and a couple of them are even uh, available in English right now. One mm -hmm. in Spanish as well. And, uh, well, what can I say? This is what makes me happy. How was it received by family and friends when you went from being a journalist into, I'm going to work in kink, especially in a more conservative area of the world? Yes. I, well, it's, this has been interesting. Um, well, I didn't even have the talk with my family. I, I'm a very reclusive person on that side. <laughs> but with friends, uh, I expected the worst. And uh, lo and behold, only two persons have ever um, stopped being my friends for this choice. All the other were or uninterested or just okay mm -hmm. with that. Um, the real problem was with uh, the family of my the families of my partners. Mm. They they really had could have a really hard time understanding this. So uh, I kept a kind of double life for a while, but I'm finally open uh, with everyone about this. So if you don't hear any more from me, just after the election, you know what, what happened. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the things, uh, you know, in talking to, I had somebody on from South Africa uh, doing a show later today with people from Australia. That is a real fear around the world of this next election in various countries, which is coming up in the next one to two years, depending on where folks are at. There's quite a bit of fear about, for anyone in alternative communities, what's going to happen. Are there groups in Italy organizing around the potential backlash from a right-wing win? I'm afraid not. Uh, mm. As a matter of fact, the activism about uh, alternative sexualities in general is mostly a social network thing, a kind of posing to show you are very uh, progressive and so on, but uh, there isn't much activity, actual activity about that. Uh, now, um, to be very honest with you, uh, yes, there is some fear about backlash, uh, but at the moment it doesn't seem too, uh, too much of, a, of an actual risk. I mean, even in very, very conservative countries like Hungary, for example, where mm -hmm. homosexuality is actually a crime uh, right now, um, the king scene is still alive and kicking and uh, maybe a little less conspicuous, but, but running on. And, um, well, it's, we have to see what, what will happen, of course. But I wouldn't be so uh, so scared, mostly because sex isn't serious for people in power. How they are wrong. 
Yeah, it's it's so fundamental, and yet, you know, so many folks in politics like to pretend it doesn't exist. It's not a, it's not a real thing I, until they get yeah, caught. Yeah, unless you call your uh, your name is Berlusconi, and pretty much all of your life is uh, <laughs> colored yeah. by that. But you know, <laughs> so growing up in a country that's so predominantly Catholic. How did that influence your kink? In uh, a pretty good way, I believe. Uh, I know this sounds uh, unusual and popular, but uh, we are very, very big on guilt and on uh, mm-hmm. on taboos. And uh, that can become a kind of fuel for your kink. You know, it puts that duende into the uh, into it. Uh, I don't know whether you're familiar with the word duende. I don't know the translation of it, but I get the, the it's kind of used the way the French is joie de vivre, the little, it's that spice that, that. Yes, it's sexual and Andalusian uh, from, mm-hmm. from Spain. Um, and I believe there is no translation for that, but uh, it's described as the, the dark and forbidden that gives uh, spice to to life and sex in particular, yes. Can you bring that up? So, you know, you and I came into a kink scene when it when it was really much less regulated by the community around consent. And now there's multiple models of consent, and that's so much in the fore and talking about trauma-informed sex and triggers and mm-hmm. yeah. all of these things. And you know, for better or worse, you know, it's it's a different, this generation has a very different approach. How do you see that affecting kink in general is putting so much emphasis on explicit communication? And I mean, there's now multiple page negotiation kits for people. Like for you and yeah. I, it was like, you want to be hit? I want to hit you. Cool. We're good. Like that was about the level of negotiation <laughs> when I came into the scene. So Pretty much so, how yes. <laughs> how do you see this affecting kink and BDSM? Well, um, I'm very ambivalent about that because yes, things have changed, of course. And it is our fault as well. As educators, we, we really pushed the technique and consent and and uh, rights and everything and everything else and i believe we were right in doing so because uh the the kind of non-communication we had in our early times uh, could actually become rather dangerous and mm-hmm. at times not often but it did um what i I'm a bit afraid of is uh, the lack of that duende we were talking about just a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Um, what I see is people uh, going for the sensory experience of that. Um, but it, um, especially among youngsters, young, younger people, it uh, often tends to remain on a surface level. And uh, I believe it's a pity because they don't even taste what it the, the splendid power and intensity it can be about um i for some time i asked people about uh, transcendence mm-hmm. where is the transcendence in what you do and most of them couldn't even understand the question 
which is probably my fault, of course. But, um, well, um, you know, uh, as with everything else, uh, things are kind of on, on a swing, going from one extreme to the other. And hopefully, uh, the pendulum is swinging back and we'll be able to find a midpoint where we have both safety, communication, respect, and passion in what we do. When you teach and when you coach, how do you encourage people to get in touch with that that deeper passion? Uh, mostly through uh, example, just, just by mentioning the fact that uh, kink can be something more complex and deep than, than most people think right now. And I, I happen to, uh, to start a conversation with somebody on a very small subject and realize they have completely no idea of what they are even doing. Maybe they're, they're doing a, a very elaborate kimbaku for the aesthetics of it uh, without even understanding the communication between the partners through the ropes. Uh, or uh, they do polyamory with a, a dozen partners and they don't know how to talk uh, with, each, with each other. So just mentioning there is another way of, um, of experiencing all of this, which is not the right way, of course. It's just one way. Mm -hmm. um, really does wonders. Uh, now the problem is, uh, old curmudgeon that I am, to make people listen. But I have the means for that. <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, people are, are so keen on experiencing new stuff and, and checking out the, 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 the boxes, you know, the, the bucket lists that they don't even time to, to listen and to explore deeper, uh, a deeper way of experiencing that. But it just takes uh, a little, you know, will and to do that. When was the first time you experienced kink could be transcendent? Oh, well, that actually was right at the start of my, of my personal experience when I, I still was uh, on the other uh, side of the whip. As a, it was a, mm -hmm. uh, a sub, especially because nobody would ever submit to a nerdy 17-year-old uh, kid. And uh, I experienced a fisting, and mm -hmm. I actually experienced at the same time what Buddhists uh, uh, describe as the unity of everything in the universe. I remember I didn't even feel any physical sensation, but the power of this energy flowing through everything and i actually was so so shocked about that uh it was like a a i don't know maybe an, an lsd experience i i never did uh i never did right so i don't know but uh, i came out of that experience with a totally different understanding of the world and that pushed me to to learn more 
I think that's what's missing from so many of the people I've talked to, the descriptions of what they do. They can list the things they do, but that emotional, spiritual, energetic connection to it has, it's a small group of people that still seek that aspect of kink out. You know, you travel a fair amount and everything. Where do you find communities that center it more on the the holistic experience of kink and not just saying, well, I've done this and this and doing that tick box list? Right. I believe that uh, there is a just to make one example among many, uh, there is a group uh, based in Berlin called Explore, uh, founded by choreographer Felix Rockett. And they do a, a, this Explore festival um, where they have lots and lots of practical workshops around what they call insecurity, uh, going outside of your comfort zone in a controlled way and it is mostly about uh, eroticism and sex but not just that and uh, yes yeah, so there you can find this kind of transcendence from time to time but then again uh, i believe there is a real um separation between this kind of scene uh, which is more i don't know new agey maybe mm-hmm. or uh, more spiritual and uh, the proper kink mm-hmm. community, which is more about technique and uh, and posing and uh, showing off and so on. At least here in here in this country, and uh, so they they just don't talk, and there is a real pity. Um, mm-hmm. I had this the same kind of experience uh, many many years ago when I first uh, went uh, to. Um, to a sexology convention, uh, I was uh, actually introduced uh, uh, on the lectern as, and now the perverted one. It was <laughs> kind of scary, you know, <laughs> just like being a, a little kitten uh, among among Rottweilers. But <laughs> but what I found out very very quickly was that uh, the kind of knowledge the kink community has was totally separated by the kind of knowledge that sexologists and psychologists have. And they are equally important. But there is just this lack of dialogue between the two. And I believe something similar between uh, this more spiritual uh, scene and the more technical one, which is a terrible shame because if we People just talked with each other. They, they discover incredible things, I believe. And you've done in your in your own work a more uh, almost academic approach in in studying kink and learning about kink. In doing that, what have been what how has it changed how you view your own kink and the way you express it? Oh. This hurts, actually. <laughs> you know, you know what they say about sexologists. There are people who just don't don't have sex, but <laughs> but no, seriously. Um, of course, having a more technical and uh, scholar-like uh, um, point of view on on all of this does change uh, the the experience a bit. I also believe that uh, uh, all the research uh, and 
seeing so many examples of people being happy, each one of them in their own different ways, uh, also drives you to try and experience that kind of happiness. And so those sort of things probably balance out uh, one with the, with the other. But yes, uh, uh, sometimes it's maddening, for example, to see how kingsters, especially younger kingsters, uh, go online and debate the best way of doing something, for example, without even thinking of uh, searching web online whether somebody has already explored that. Uh, mm -hmm. So they reinvent continuously the same things, do the same errors, the same mistakes, hurt themselves in the same ways, and just for this lack of historical perspective, maybe. How do those of us who are a bit older, been in the community longer, re-inject that, connect the community to its history? Because it's a very rich and very deep history. And there are places around the world dedicated to cataloging and creating these collections of wonderful parts of our history. How do we bring that and make that important for this next generation so they don't lose all contact with that? Of course, no collection, as good as it can be, uh, is of any use if people don't uh, yeah. look for it. Uh, so what I'm personally trying to do is to bring these insights into the current scene. Uh, for example, I organize uh, a number of parties here in Milan uh, where I desperately try to put, uh, to also show uh, horny and some workshops, for example, bringing bringing people of of all ages and orientations mm -hmm. and and uh, and origins uh, uh, to to bring their expertise on that. Uh, I try to inject some kind of curiosity by bringing in artists, visual artists, for example. Mm -hmm. But it is a really really uphill battle. Uh, I, I I hope I'm making sense. Am I? English is oh, my totally. fifth language, so I, I'm probably... No, you're, you're okay. perfect. Uh, I mean, we here in Italy, we had uh, what I experienced as the best uh, cultural, king cultural event I've ever been, which was the Rome BDSM convention. Uh, it ran for, I believe, four years. Mm -hmm. And then it crashed down very, very badly because people were just weren't interested. There is this kind of um, of attitude, I believe, of uh, a kind of vampiric attitude somehow, of going, you know, noticing you're horny, and then go and gobble up everything available, but never giving something back to the community. If there is even a community, in many countries yeah. there is no, no community at all, there is a group of people sharing the same interest, but it is not a community. And um, yes, maybe uh, maybe the need for uh, a more circular kind of uh, knowledge and um, exploration and uh, exchanging information is what we need. I don't know how to better do this right now, but maybe you can help. And the people... Listen yeah. to us. <laughs> well, and it's one of the reasons I like 
you know, the what your one of the books you have in English is it's such a compendium of different approaches to kink, different parts of it, you know, and deeply, deeply informative. And I think we need a few, I mean, there's a few other books out there. There now, of course, they all slip out of my brain. Um, <laughs> but there's a number of them on like the le- the history of the leather community, the history of leather dykes and stuff like that that are out there, but they're much less read than you know some of the the other well, more lighthearted. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely, and they uh, suffer from the same sin as well, which is mm-hmm. being very partial. Um, very. Mm-hmm. The really hundreds of great books out there, but they generally are uh, made by someone who has uh, really feels for some kink specifically and tells you all about that, but ignores or even fights uh, against other kings. I believe in my books. What uh, I can really bring to the conversation is the journalistic experience. So in this, that compendium you, you mentioned, for example, there are a number of practices and uh, situations that I really personally don't like at all. But this doesn't mean I didn't check them out and I didn't double check every source and information and try to keep a balanced and realistic attitude about, about that. And maybe this is a little part of what's missing as well from from the community i mean yeah no i i agree is people get so slotted into very specific kinks and very specific ways of approaching kink and then once they found one that works for them the exploration kind of stops yes because they, they're like i found my thing so this is it yes you know the um, the typical conversa- conversation at a party between kinks as well you meet somebody and you ask well what are you into? Uh, And my answer is, I don't know. Because what I can be into with you, it can be totally different from what I do with other people. And and this is really upsetting to some. (laughs) You know, I just don't understand how how people can be flexible and and open to, to the kind of special alchemy that each new meeting brings to the scene. I think what you hit on there too is that there's this need to be certain, which I think comes with a more conservative approach, which is more popular. Hmm. This need for certainty of this is who I am. Let me give you a very clear label. And yeah. the, you know, the, terrible, terrible. <laughs> and the 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 desire to explore and have something possibly go wrong is terrifying to some people yes that that might yeah. be one 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 aspect of that also uh, i believe our um, kink culture globally speaking mm-hmm. is absolutely great but very myopic in uh, considering itself i mean we are pushing this narrative of everything's totally rosy and happy and totally safe and so on and we have the greatest people on the planet and of course we are but we are also human and so we have very uh, disturbed people among us we have errors and mistakes we have um, very big blunders sometimes and uh, it is absolutely true that uh, freud was wrong 
uh, we don't get, go into kink because we are deeply traumatized. But uh, in my research, at least, I found out that most kinker, kinksters come from some sort of instability, which doesn't mean anything necessarily major. But mm -hmm. you, what happens, I believe, is that we don't feel very okay with the society in general, and we find a different niche where we can feel more at home, as, as I was describing before. Uh, I was probably, I probably came in that because I was very, a very lonely kid, for example. Mm -hmm. um, nothing bad in that, but uh, not discussing this uh, fragility, this um, imperfections we have as kingsters in general. Uh, this doesn't do uh, us any good. Well, we should be more critical, isn't it? Definitely. So we're, we're coming toward the end. Uh... <laughs> I, I I am keeping an eye on time because I know it's very late in Italy right now. Uh, you have books, you have all these wonderful things. So if our readers want to connect with you, and please feel free to plug in English and then any other language, and we'll get the <laughs> because this is listened to in Europe and other places. So how do people find you? How do they connect with these resources that you have and connect with you? Or if they want to go to one of your parties when they're in Milan, how do they find you? All right. So the, the, on, the only difficult part with this is starting and remembering what how I am called because Isaac is not a very normal name. Uh, it's mm -hmm. spelled A-Y-Z-A-D. Mm -hmm. If you add a dot .com to that, you, you end up on my website where you can find pretty much everything I do. There are thousands of articles, a podcast, the videos, uh, the pre-previews for my books, and so on. Um, search for Isaac AYZAD on Amazon, you'll find my books. And uh, two of them in particular are English uh, public might, might be interested in. They're called BDSM, a guide for explorers of extreme eroticism which is the companion we were, we were talking about. It's about 600 pages or something like that. Uh, and the other one is called I Love BDSM, which is also available in Spanish. And it is a much simpler manual for the 50 shades uh, folks uh, to just you know give a more realistic description of what we are about. Then, then if you happen to be in, happen in Milan sometime, just look for my website again or a website called milanokinky.com which has a full um, calendar of events not just mine and uh, you're very welcome to come and celebrate our coming of age for our sadistic party it's getting 18 years uh, years old this this winter and it's going to be pretty big i, I hope so at least Thank you so much for being on your show. We'll have all of those links on the show notes for our readers. The books will be um, up on my blog, Love Letters to a Unicorn, on the resource page because I read Great. them. I love them. I strongly recommend anybody interested in kink writ large, check out The Explorers of Extreme Eroticism. It's a brilliant, brilliant book, well worth adding to your library. And thank you for being on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and a honor, actually, because, you know, for small Italians uh, coming on the international and especially the North American scene is kind of, uh, of a goal reached. 
So thank you, really. Excellent. Hi, this is Auntie Vice from Fat Chicks on Top. I want to let you know that Fat Chicks has a new line of merchandise so you can show your love. You can go to AuntieVice.com backslash shop for all things Fat Chicks. My books are there as well. And if you use code prep for Folsom, capitalizing each letter, you will get $7 off the 30 Days of Kiki Self-Discovery digital book. to this episode of Fat Chicks on Top. Please like, subscribe, and review our podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. If we like your review, we may even read it online. This has been an Auntie Vice production. Producer and host, Rebecca Blanton. Audio production by Sharon Smith. Music by David Manga. And more music by Sharon Smith. For more information about Fat Chicks on Top, please visit our website for all things Fat Chicks at fatchicksontop.com.